Believe it or not, we are actually in the second to last sermon in our Proverbs series. So there's only this sermon and next week's sermon. And, you know, I don't know how many of us, I think for most of us, we're kind of in the uh, 20s, 30s age. We are looking for jobs or we understand how important it is for us to look for a job. We know how important it is for us to spruce up our resume, our CV. Um, But imagine if you saw a resume or a CV and instead of a list of all of your work experience, accomplishments, your degrees that you've obtained, imagine you see a CV or resume and it's actually a list of a bunch of failures, a bunch of mistakes, times that you've been laid off, times that you've been fired, times that you've had really just horrible decisions. Um, You would probably think, wow, this resume, this CV is not the most effective. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because in today's passage, we have a chapter of an oracle, of a proverb, of a list of wise sayings. And this person doesn't say, look at my CV and resume, look at all the experience and wisdom that I've accumulated. Instead, this person starts off by simply saying, I am utterly weary and worn out, I'm weak, and I am also utterly stupid. In fact, all of humanity, we are so brittle, we get easily worn out, Our life is marked with wearisome, uh, and at the same time, we're also just very stupid people. And what kind of wisdom can we glean from somebody who kind of starts off a chapter that way? Well, there's actually a lot, and I think especially in this lockdown phase of life, I think we can resonate with a lot of these things. So we're going to take a look at all of this, and therefore, the sermon title is, Yes, As Christians, um, there's victory, there's power, there's joy, there's love, for sure. But as Christians, our life is also marked with us experiencing weariness and stupidity. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. Thankfully, the thrust of and the focal point of our lives is that ultimately we are rooted in Christ. He gives us that unshakable joy. He is the source of all peace. So we're going to take a look at all of that as we look at Proverbs 31 through 9. Uh, again, I want to just extend a hearty welcome to anyone and everyone here. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any prayer requests or whatever, all those things, you can text those away and those are anonymous. We look at that as part of our worship service and we will reflect upon these anonymous messages. I also want to encourage everybody to jot down notes during the sermon as Martha prayed. Uh, the Word of God is something so precious and the way the Spirit speaks is not just um, sometimes it may just be a random thing that is mentioned or sometimes it might be a particular verse or sometimes a spirit may bring to mind a specific relationship, a specific situation. Jot those things down. Uh, It not not only helps us stay more engaged, but I also believe it will help us uh, do what our sister Martha prayed to actually apply the word and to allow the word of God to take shape in our lives. Let me pray for us once more before we read the passage. Uh, Father, we want to thank you again, and we want to surrender this time entirely into your hands. Um, We are just so moved when we think about uh, just the simplicity of life. Uh, A father who just really loves his children, and children being able to recognize that, and being able to respond in gratitude. Uh, But when we think about something as simple as that, we know that that is just a window into your heart, how you are our true father. And yes, the sad reality is many of us, maybe even the majority of us, 
we live in broken, dysfunctional relationships with our parents. Uh, but Lord, we thank you that you are our true father and you are not a father who's like other human fathers who are prone to sin, prone to anger, prone to selfishness, prone to folly, but you are the perfect ideal father. You are perfect in all of your ways. And because of what your son Jesus Christ has done, we know that your, your perfect love for us is committed to us. Thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will speak to us. Uh, we need you. We are weary. And if we're honest with ourselves and if we are a little bit more reflective, we're also very stupid. But we thank you that your word, your character, the way you work in our lives, those things are so trustworthy. We thank you that ultimately we are rooted in Christ. Uh, we pray that those convictions will become more of a reality in our lives today. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. So let me read the passage in its entirety. We'll break it up and we'll uh, reflect upon different verses and sections. Uh, so Proverbs 30, verses 1 to 9. The words of Agor, son of Yake. And again, we don't really know who that is. Some people think that might be another name for Solomon, but um, actually it's, it's really impossible to tell. So it's the words of Agor, son of Yake. We don't know exactly who that is, but that's not important because ultimately all of this is the word of God anyway. The oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Uh, again, these are the first nine verses of Proverbs 30. Some of it may seem a little like he's going all over the place, but there is some coherence in what he is speaking of. And I think as we read that passage, there are certain aspects of it that kind of resonates with the way we've probably been feeling, especially during the lockdown. Uh, let me just start out with the first verse. The words of Agur, son of Yake, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, worn out. And I think all of us, we can sense the repetitiveness and how the proverb is really trying to drive down the hammer of how weary this person is and how it really represents the weariness of humanity. We get easily worn out. And even like I mentioned with the lockdown and uh, simple things like, for instance, uh, this past week or last week, I've injured my thumb, right? This right thumb of mine. I don't know how I injured it. I think it's an accumulation and a combination of a variety of factors, but who would have thought that one little thumb would actually adversely affect you in so many different ways? Like, so in, for instance, like even when I brush my teeth, there's sharp pain in my thumb. Even when I use chopsticks or use utensils, or when I cut food for my children, even when I floss, just like basic things, I would have never expected to experience so much pain, even typing. I think for many of us, 
most of our jobs are now in front of the computer and even typing itself has become such a weary task for me and this is just one anecdote that really represents I think what many of us are experiencing uh, with the lockdown and I mentioned it here and there there really is no more work-life balance because everybody's working from home and for many of us who are uh, who have young children dual income families children are also studying from home or doing their school from home it's really chaotic and that chaos and the blurriness of work life it really accumulates and we've been in this lifestyle for over a year and to think about the prolonged stress psychologists have called it the pandemic burnout uh, when we think of burnout maybe some of us were thinking of church church ministry but no this is a secular term, secular phrase that because of this lockdown and the way that we're now living our lives, all of us, we are experiencing some sense of burnout. We experience just how weary life really is. And um, yeah, I mean, if you have any questions about how to avoid burnout, feel free to text that away. That's not going to be the focal point of this message, but there are some, I guess, self-help tips and words of wisdom that I can offer. But that, again, that's not the main thrust of the sermon because even though the lockdown may have made us a little bit more aware of our limitations, we see in scripture, I mean, this is written millennia ago. Scripture, God's word knew all along. Yes, humans, we can accomplish many amazing things, but at the end of the day, inherently, fundamentally, we are just very weary entities. We get worn out very easily. Simple things like an injured thumb or more societal things like a global pandemic. It really reminds us of how brutal we really are. Uh, not only does this Agor, son of Yake, who is, you know, saying that he has a lot of wisdom. Not only is he saying, out of all the things that I want to say about myself and humanity is that we're weary. The second thing he says about himself and all of humanity is that he is stupid. And again, I'm not making up these words. These are words from scripture. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. And again, this is in the book of Proverbs, right? When we think of Proverbs, only wise sayings are included in the book of Proverbs. And if you look at even culturally speaking, when you look at other books of Proverbs and collections of wise sayings, you don't ever hear somebody say, I am weary and I am a stupid person. Listen to me now. Instead, people boast of their wisdom and their accomplishments. Just like I mentioned with that CV and resume, when you try to impress people and convince people, you don't say things like, I am weary and I am stupid. And yet, um, Agor, son of Yake, is saying, I am too stupid to be a man. I have not understanding of a man. And he goes on further and he says, Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. And it is a rhetorical question. It is these are things that we do not know. And the person who is able to check off all these questions is not any human but it is God himself. And what this person is saying is when I compare myself to all the wisdom, all of the knowledge in this world, 
when I compare myself to God, I am, I am utterly stupid. I am so short-sighted. Um, you know, it's funny. I think many of us, again, we're, we're kind of at that phase of life where all of us, we're striving to become an expert at something. Uh, whether we're in school, an undergrad, or whether we've just started to work, or whether we're pursuing a master's, or whether we are, I don't know, at an executive level, all of us, we are pursuing to be an expert at something. Uh, we call in industries subject matter experts. These are people who are supposed to be really knowledgeable about a particular subject. And, you know, I don't know how many of us know this meme. I think it's, it's, it's actually very helpful. Is um, This meme is this circle kind of represents all of human knowledge that you can possibly possess. And again, it's probably bigger than this circle, but again, this is just a meme, it's just a diagram. And when we think about, you know, in, from an academic standpoint or from a working standpoint, like this little circle is the knowledge that somebody accumulates when you, I don't know, finish elementary school or when you finish your internship for your particular job, for instance. And then, you know, you progress in life and yes, you have some knowledge, but in comparison to the rest of human knowledge, you really still know so little. And then let's say you finish high school or let's say you get a full-time job and now your knowledge, you're starting to accumulate. You're starting to build that experience, that industry knowledge. And as you continue to mature and as you progress, maybe you finish university, maybe you finish a master's degree, maybe you get promoted at your work. And again, now you're building your knowledge base. You're becoming more knowledgeable in a particular area. And let's say you are on the path of becoming an expert in something. Again, whether it's at work or whether you're pursuing a master's degree, you're reading research papers, whatever it may be, and you're, you're building that type of knowledge, you're building that type of knowledge, and now you are tasked, people recognize that you are the subject matter expert of a particular area, whether it's at work or whether you're pursuing a PhD or whatever. And now you're actually trying to contribute. And you spend many years, maybe a whole lifetime, maybe an entire career, focusing on that one little subject. And you keep at it. You're doing research, you're thinking it through, you're putting it to practice. After many years, you're focusing on that one little subject and Finally, maybe some of us are lucky, fortunate enough to actually expand that border of knowledge. And that's quite an accomplishment for somebody, for a human lifetime, to be able to expand the knowledge of humanity in this one little aspect. And again, these are things that we celebrate. These are the people that we revere at work. These are the people who do TED Talks. These are the people who have PhDs, all these different things. But when the dust settles, and again, when we take a step back and look at the grand scheme of things, that little bump is still so insignificant when we think about all wisdom, all knowledge. It's still such a small drop in the bucket. And therefore, that's why Agor, son of Yake, is saying, Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. And especially when we compare it to the fact that this universe is so vast, who is the one who gathered up the winds? Who is the one who gathered up all the waters in a garment? These are things that should make us recognize just the stupidity of humanity. Um, 
I always, you know, one way you can know that somebody is growing in wisdom and really becoming an expert, it was when they recognize how much they don't know. Uh, that's one of the first signs. So even for myself and other people who are quote-unquote experts in a particular thing, they, one of the things that they say more than anything is, I don't know. Because you recognize how much knowledge we are actually not privy to. And, you know, we can look at this not only from a human species standpoint, but we can even look at this from a more personal standpoint. When we think about the year and a half, I think there are many things that we've done in hindsight where we recognize, wow, I was being very stupid. And again, this is a word from the scripture. I was acting very foolishly. I was being very nearsighted. That decision that I made, that choice that I made, the way I interacted in that relationship, the way I perceived how God was working in my life, the way I responded to these disappointments. At the time, I felt like I was right, but three months later, maybe a year later, as you reflect upon that, you're thinking, well, I am stupid. I was really foolish. I was so short-sighted. And I think many of us, especially at this point, we can empathize with what Al Gore is saying. Is not only are we very weary, we're just feeling very tired. We're feeling burnt out. But I think for many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we are also very stupid. We think foolishly. We make foolish decisions. But is this all that this guy, Al Gore, has to say to us? Uh, fortunately not. So he continues. And he says, although humans, we are weary. Even the wisest one who gets to contribute to this book of Proverbs. He's weary and he's stupid. Despite that fact, is that every word of God proves true. Notice the contrast. Yes, as humans, we are very limited. We get easily worn out. We are stupid. We don't know what we don't know. But fortunately, every word of God proves true. Fortunately, the word of God is something that is reliable. I can't trust in myself. I can't trust in my own abilities because I'm going to get worn out easily and I'm, stu I'm prone to stupidity. But thankfully, the word of God is something that I can place my hope in. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Uh, there are a few things that I want to kind of unpack here. And the first thing that I want to unpack is God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And this we see is God's word is perfect. And I'm going to touch upon that in a, in a bit. Source of all wisdom. Source of all life. But God will give that to those who actually seek refuge in Him. To those who think that they are confident in their own abilities. To those who think that they don't need God. God is not going to be a shield to those people says he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He is a shield to those who place their trust in God. And here, uh, if you are part of the sermon series, this is why the very first sermon that we preached on with Proverbs is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, beginning of all wisdom. It's what makes a man wise, what makes a woman 
knowledgeable is not how much you read, not how learned you are, but it's more how dependent are you in your God. How much do you fear the Lord? How much do you recognize that only He is the capable shield and refuge of your life? Because if that is the case, then He will secure you and protect you and fill you with His word that is reliable. Um, In many ways, this is a principle that we see played out, especially in the gospel of Jesus Christ is this idea where, yes, even as uh, our brother Terry led us into praise, we are wretch. We are a wretch. We are weary. We are stupid. We are sinful. We are wicked. We are rebellious. We are a wretch. We are worthless apart from Christ. But for those who seek after God and say, you know what? I confess. I am a sinner. I am a wretch. I am unworthy. I am weary. I am weak. I am stupid. As Jesus himself says, all who are weak and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. When we have that heart of humility and dependence, then God will pour his grace upon us. When we think that we can do things on our own, that's why it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I love the song that we sang how great is the Father's heart? Because this grace that God has given to us was not just an easy snap of the finger. Okay, let me give you grace. I'm now going to turn a wretch into my treasure. But this act of grace, how great the, ser- the loss, the searing pain that the Father would turn his back against the Son. This type of grace required the precious blood and life of Jesus Christ. And that's why we sing about it how he was crucified, how he was rejected, how he had to die for our sin, for our lack. And again, this verse is saying, if we take refuge in him, then he will be our shield. He will respond by giving us grace, by providing for us. And he provides for us, especially through his word. Um... You know, the reason why I want to make a point of that is because uh, I know for some of us, we are feeling weary or stupid. We may not feel like our relationships with God is right. But that's not inherently bad. In some ways, that's actually a healthy thing. Because part of the gospel is recognizing our desperate need for Jesus. Uh, Even as uh, our sister Martha prayed, she prayed how when we reflect upon who God is, may it lead us into repentance, into our trust in God. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. And that's exactly what I think many of us need to be affirmed by is us recognizing our limitations is not a bad thing. It's actually the first step towards us really allowing the gospel and the promises of Jesus to be lived out in our lives. Uh, the other thing that I, that I think this verse is very uh, important is every word of God proves true. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And notice that in these two verses, that the word of God is so central, is so important. And 
you know, for some of us, we may be wondering, you know, what is the Word of God? We look at the Word of God as Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you're wondering, why is it so important? Wasn't it written so long ago? How do we even apply it? When I try to read it, I get lost in the details. I don't even know what it's half of the things that it's saying. Uh, but the Word of God is so important. And let me just break down four things I think will be helpful. Um, and it's actually an acronym that's, that's pretty helpful. Is uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the words, um, the acronym SNAC, S-N-A-C. Uh, but it's very helpful for us to understand Scripture. And one of the ways to understand Scripture is it is SNAC. S stands for sufficient. N stands for is necessary. A stands for is authoritative. And C stands for it's clear. And this can be helpful for some of us when we think about the Word of God. In what ways is it sufficient? And it's sufficient in that it speaks to us in how we are to live our lives, how we are to relate with God, and how we are to think. I mean, it is very comprehensive. And even as I preached maybe a week or two ago about the area of work, even in our secular jobs, do you know that the Word of God, its principles, can actually speak very powerfully even into that area of your life? It is utterly sufficient in the ways that we interact with God and the ways that we are to look at ourselves and look at the world. It is sufficient. Another way of looking at Scripture is its authority. That's what A stands for. And Scripture is truly the final authority over everything. Um, when we think about how kind of what kind of decisions should I make? How should I live my life? What should I do in this relationship? How should I interact with X, Y, and Z? Our final authority is not, what did my parents tell me to do? Our final authority is not, what is my pastor telling me to do? Our final authority is, what is Scripture telling us to do? Scripture is our final authority. Uh, when we think about, oh, I'm sorry, I must have skipped over N, necessary. Scripture is necessary in that it helps us to, well, it's required for us to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 1 that all of creation attests to God's existence and Him being a creator. But when we think about God being our Savior, especially through Jesus Christ, we need Scripture. It is absolutely necessary. And lastly, clarity. Scripture is very clear. Uh, I know for some of us, we're thinking, is Scripture really clear though? Because when I was doing my devotions this, this past week, it did not feel clear whatsoever. When I read through Leviticus, I did not sense clarity in it, but it's very clear in terms of its central message. In terms of its central message of who Jesus is, God's character, of our sin, of who we are as humans, of how Jesus died and rose again on our behalf, on how everything is really for God's glory, on those central things, Scripture is utterly clear, very clear. Uh, that doesn't mean that every passage and verse of Scripture is clear or equally clear. I mean, certain passages are a little bit more obscure than others, and we can talk about that uh, more in the question and answer or even during the summer. But as far as the central principles that Scripture is trying to really convey and express to us, all those things are abundantly it's so a scripture snack, sufficient for everything in life, especially in the ways that we relate with God. It's necessary for us to know Jesus and to know God as our Savior. 
it is authoritative. It is the final authority in all aspects of our lives, and it is clear. Uh, not everything is equally clear, but essential principles are clear. Um, and I think that can be helpful for some of us if you've never heard it. Uh, but the way that I like to look at scripture, especially when I think about just the way most Western Christians are in our demographic, is the reason why every word of God proves true and we want to hold fast to it. We don't want to add to his words. We don't want to take away. Otherwise, he's going to rebuke us. There's a sense of severity. The reason why there's an urgency of scripture, word of God, is because it is through the word of God that we learn best God's character and the ways that he works in our lives. Um, and I think especially now, in the midst of our lockdown, in the midst of our fragility, in the midst of us feeling a little exposed, a little weak, more than ever, we need to get our gaze and our focus on who God is, his character, and how he works in our lives. Because when we are not fixated on that, what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up adding to his words. We're going to end up subconsciously um, twisting his words and his character and his the ways that he works in our lives, we're actually going to misinterpret those things. Um, I think the best example is the one that I mentioned, I think it was last week, with Adam and Eve and how the serpent came to Eve and said, did God really say? And serpent, what, what she was doing to Eve and Adam as well, who was right there beside her, is he was adding to God's words. He was trying to mess with God's word. And saying, did God actually say, you're not able to touch any fruit of the garden? And then, you know, Eve kind of answered rightly. She said, no, 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 no. Like we can eat any fruit of the garden, but just not this one. And she also added, she said, and we cannot touch it. But God never said anything about touch. And basically, what ends up happening is when we don't hold fast to God's word, it's not just, okay, you're not going to win the Bible trivia. The next time we do our life group competition, maybe you're not going to be able to score very high on the Bible category. That, that's not what is at stake. What is at stake is when we don't hold fast to God's word, is we begin to not see God's character clearly. And we don't really see how God is working in our lives. And let me tell you, that is the starting point for us to not only lose our faith and our trust, but alongside that is lose a sense of joy, or lose a sense of security, or lose a sense of peace. Because when we don't really see God's character and His involvement in our lives, everything begins to crumble. Um, now, what is a specific example of God's character and his involvement because it is very wide-ranging. There are so many examples. And we're going to turn to the very next verse for that. It's because Agor mentions something about this. And I think what the example that he provides is one that I think will be very helpful for all of us as well. So what he says is, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Now the thing that I want to focus on is give me neither poverty nor riches feed me with the food that is needful for me 
lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Now notice, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. So, so what is he saying? He's saying, I don't want to be so poor where like, I'm like begging for food to the point where I'm actually stealing. I'm coveting. All of my mind is I'm just obsessed with I need this next daily bread. Otherwise, I'm going to perish. I don't want that. So please don't give me poverty. But also don't give me riches as well. I don't want to be extremely wealthy because then I'm actually going to have the other problem where I have so much wealth where I might forget God and I may no longer depend on Him. Remember the verse that we saw earlier. He is a shield to those who seek refuge in Him. If I'm too wealthy, I don't trust my character. I'm not going to take refuge in God. Instead, I'm going to take refuge in my own wealth. And he flushes this out. That's why he says, feed me with the food that is healthy for me. No. He doesn't say, feed me with the food that is tasteful, that is sumptuous. He says, feed me the food that is needful for me. Uh, very similar to the Lord's Prayer. Just give me my daily bread. One piece of bread. Just make your grace sufficient for that day. Give me what is just needful. So I'm above poverty, but again, I don't want to be wealthy either. Lest I be full, and this is where he explains, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And this is exactly what he's talking about, is if I become wealthy, I think I'm going to deny God. I don't trust my sinful nature. And that's why, um, you know, when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, when Moses warns the people of the promised land, he, he warns them, promised land is going to be a land of milk and honey. You guys are going to be provided for. God is going to set you guys like up really well. But don't forget the Lord your God. Those 40 years of wandering was there for a reason so that you don't forget your God. You don't deny God and say, who is the Lord? Even in our wealth. I know all of us, we want that hit the lottery. We want to hit that jackpot. But even in that situation, that can actually complicate things. Or the other side of the extreme is, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And I think this principle of give me neither poverty nor wealth is very, very relevant for us. And I'm not saying this simply in terms of money. I hope you can kind of see the principle underlying this. Is this is, you can apply to just any situation in our lives. Whether it's work. Give me neither that amazing promotion where my work schedule is going to be so easy, free of politics. Everybody's going to love me. I'm going to be able to hit every deadline after deadline. I'm getting the raise. I'm getting the bonuses. Don't give me that. But don't give me just utter unemployment where I can't put food on the table. And now like I'm really struggling with just the basic necessities of life. Or it could be applied in relationships. Or it could, be, it could be applied in a lot of different things. Because the principle touches upon our sinful nature. And how when situations become too favorable, then yes, sometimes we deny God. We say, who is the Lord? I don't need Him. I don't need to take my refuge in. And we forget how stupid and how weary we are. And at the same time, when we are experiencing so much lack, so much need, 
we get so obsessed with those things where it's hard for us to place our focus on God. Uh, I think for a lot of us, and even for myself foremost, is God is placing me, God is placing many of us in that happy medium. And you may think that you're experiencing poverty, but trust me, it could be a lot worse. God is placing you in that realm, in that balance for you to focus on Him, on His character, on the ways that He works in our lives. He's not giving you too many blessings because if so, then maybe our immaturity and our sinful nature will not be able to handle it. And again, it says, we may be full and deny and say, who is the Lord? And at the same time, He is providing us just enough so that we are not experiencing poverty. I think for myself and for many of us, because we covet the wealth and we think God should just give us that wealth and that should be the way Christians all live because He's our Father. He loves us. Why doesn't He want to give us good things? Because that's our expectation, when we don't experience that wealth, we think that we're in poverty and we complain. But no, we're not. God is true to His word. He is a faithful father. He will never leave any of his children as orphans. He will provide for all of us. The reason why we are feeling that discomfort or the reason why we feel like, man, I wish I had that or I wish I needed that or I just need this to break through my life. No, God is perfect. He knows exactly what he is doing in your life. And yes, it may seem like he's withholding that from you, but it's not because he's distant. It's not because he doesn't care. It's probably because out of His wisdom, out of His sovereignty. Maybe He sees that if you obtain that, you will deny the Lord and say, who is my God? And the reason why we can be secure that our God is perfect and He does it out of love and He does it out of perfect wisdom is again, because of Jesus. Because He died for us. Because we are now in Christ, our God is going to be faithful to every single one of those who are in Christ. He will not leave us as orphans. These situations transpire the way they do for a reason. I mentioned earlier, even Israel had to wander for 40 years so that they will learn that they do not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes out of the word of God. Um, and I think for some of us, we may feel like we're in that desert period. But let's be reminded of God's character. Let's be reminded of the flawless ways that He works in our lives and trust that He knows exactly what He's doing. Um, at this point, I'm going to uh, close our time in terms of the message. Um, it's a pretty simple one, so I want to give us more opportunities to just allow the Spirit to minister to us because... You know, a lot of the things that we mentioned here, uh, you can take it in a lot of different ways. And I believe that the Spirit is, I as a preacher can only explain to you some of the underlying principles of these passages. But I can't tell you and connect the dots for you that this is speaking to this unique situation in your life. I can't do that. Only the Spirit can do that. So as much as I can convey some of these principles and explain what this means, 
you need to, all of us individually, we need to just take a moment before the Spirit and say, okay, what does this mean for me? Is there something going on in my own life? Is there something going on in my own thought process? Is there something about the way I'm living that you are trying to speak into? So let's do that. Uh, let's take a moment. And I'm just going to give us uh, maybe a minute or so. And uh, jot down any notes or whatever, but allow the Spirit to just speak to you. And if, you, if you're confused, just ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit, what is it that you're trying to say to me?